ask you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. God's Word comes to us from Luke chapter 19, a story with a song that I'm sure many of you have sung as kids. Uh, I sang it even in Spanish growing up. It probably has gone into many languages all over the world, the wee little man. Um, But a remarkable testimony of God's transforming love um, and grace. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today has salvation come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's ask for God's blessing on his word. Lord, you are a missionary God. It was a too small a thing that you would just rescue Israel, Lord, in the midst of all the nations. And so you made the plan that all nations would sweep into the new Jerusalem above. And the only way that that happens, Lord, is by the astonishing, transforming, unmerited grace of a Savior who has loved us beyond all the measure of our sins and promises to change us into his image. Lord, would you please do that tonight? Lord, would we believe that you can do that, that you are in the business of doing that, that you're still doing that to us, Lord. You are transforming us. You are giving us, Lord, what we do not deserve because of the great, love, and unmerited favor of Jesus. Please help us to receive that, to trust that, to believe that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to imagine this evening a person who is beyond grace, who you think there is nothing that could possibly change this person. Uh, You may have prayed for them. You may have talked to them. Um... Maybe you think about the fact that you don't uh, talk to them enough or don't pray for them enough, but you just think, this person is lost, there's no hope, I know the kinds of things that are wrong with this person, and there's no possibility to change. What is the power that enables us to change, that has reached and converted us, that takes people dead in trespasses and sins and transports them into new creation reality. 
I mean, is there any hope for people who are truly lost, who are the worst kind of people, who are actually sinners who offend in really egregious ways against God? Can God actually change people like that? And where does that power come from? The answer, very simply, is it's the surprising love of undeserved favor and grace, the surprising love for sinful, undeserving people, and the grace that you and I have sung about over and over and over again, the amazing grace that has brought us safe thus far is the same grace that we will need all through our lives and that has the power to actually change those that we think are completely beyond the pale and the hope of God's transforming effect. I can say those words. I think those words do a reasonably good job to summarize the effect that this story is supposed to have on us. But what I love about the Gospels is that God doesn't just teach us. There's a lot of teaching in the Gospels, but God shows us these truths. Uh, the, the Gospel writer of Luke has carefully chronicled, it says, uh, to make us more sure of the things that we have heard. And he puts these truths, the, the reality tonight of God's surprising, transforming, unexpected grace, he puts them in story form. He tells us about this man who really lived in Jericho named Zacchaeus, who was really a little man, um, who had problems with being able to see over people, and who was truly lost, and who one day Christ called in a tree and loved him beyond any way that he'd ever been loved before. God in the Gospels paints a picture of his nature and his character in story form and shows us, he doesn't just tell us, but he shows us who he is and what his purposes are in the world to change us as a people. This story wants to captivate our hearts by showing us that we too either were or still are in some ways just as little and lost and yet loved as Zacchaeus was that day. And that is the power, that is the effect that will drastically transform even the most hardened sinner. So I want to break down this text into those three headings. Little, lost, and loved. Zacchaeus, the little, the lost, and the loved. So as a, a master storyteller, and I think Luke is really a spectacular storyteller. He doesn't just write the gospel of Luke. He writes the gospel of Acts. We'll see first here uh, the featuring of the, the littleness of Zacchaeus in our text. Uh, we hear about his occupation first. Behold, a man, Zacchaeus, he was chief tax collector. He um, was rich seeking to see Jesus and specifically see who Jesus was, learn about his character, but he could not on account of the crowd. And the very last word to describe Zacchaeus is, because in stature, in the original language, he was short. <laughs> uh, in so many ways, in terms of position in society and the, the kind of uh, desirable role that Zacchaeus would have had in Jericho as the arch tax collector, as the chief of tax collectors, uh, in terms of wealth and human society, he was at the top. But in stature, he was small, the text tells us. There's many things that you can change in your appearance, and your physical uh, nature. You can cut your hair, you can color your hair, you can wear different clothing. This is something Zacchaeus had no power over. He was born with the propensity to be little, and that was it. He was stuck as 
a little person. Some of the best stories in the Bible and in literature are about little people, right? Why is David and Goliath such a captivating story? There's a short young man who decides courageously because of his confidence in God to face this giant. And you just can see in the story how small David is in the comparison up against the massive opponent, Goliath. Um, The general, the French general Napoleon is well known. We have a complex named after Napoleon, the Napoleon complex, because he's a little guy. Uh, Debate about how tall he actually was, 5'2 is the guess. Um, uh, And he would often surround himself with tall generals to even seem smaller for some reason. But this little person who conquered massive, massive territory and kingdom. Uh, Some of my favorite characters in uh, literature, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, hobbits are so famous because they're little, and yet Frodo Baggins is so courageous. He's the one entrusted with the destruction of the ring. And then my favorite character in um, Chronicles of Narnia is Reepicheep, the little one, uh, who is so uh, courageous, he'll take on anyone in a sword fight. And uh, the stories move along and are interesting because such a small uh, person can uh, face this remarkable obstacle and overcome it. And uh, Luke tells us, accentuating the shortness of Zacchaeus, that he is also consumed by something. Uh, He's consumed by money, we're told his occupation. He was not just a tax collector, but he's the chief of tax collectors. And it says, not only was he in this position, but he's very good at it. It says, he was rich. Um, And as soon as we're told about the smallness of this man and the occupation of this man, we are also introduced, I think, clearly based on the, the story of Luke to the fact that he was also very, very lost. So we see a little man, but one who is also lost in this story. The reason I think it's clear that um, Zacchaeus has done certain things that make him offending, offensive and offending against God is because in the sweep of the story of the Gospel of Luke, some of the first people who are introduced as those who are welcomed into the kingdom, when John the Baptist is preaching the kingdom, uh, those who are welcomed in are tax collectors. And they say, as soon as they're baptized, what should we do, John? And John says, don't collect more than you are authorized to do And as we will see, Zacchaeus is transformed later in the story. One of the things he says he will do is, if he has, and I think it it means since he has defrauded some, he will give back to those he has stolen from. This is a short man who has been consumed throughout his life with getting to the top and pursuing wealth and status that comes with money based on his riches. And he has gotten to the top, but through very uh, sinful means. Uh, The book of Proverbs talks about God opposing those who take advantage of others, uh, stealing from and robbing from uh, the poor, for instance. Um, Proverbs 22 says, do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob the life of those who rob them. Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, I'm not saying he only was uh, wealthy by robbing from the poor, but I think it was, it's clear that he, either directly or through other people that he worked with as the chief of tax collectors, was in the business of gaining means in a sinful way. God identifies himself in the old covenant with the poor, 
Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, and the generous honor him. Uh, Zacchaeus is an enemy of God in this sense then, because as a tax collector, he has defrauded those who have no um, ability to defend themselves. Um, We had the unfortunate uh, event the last few years of the IRS making a mistake um, with our taxes, and if you've ever had this, you get letter after letter after letter after letter, and you start to get into communication with the IRS and try to sort this out. And I remember the, the frustration of thinking, man, who is going to argue my, my cause? <laughs> I want my money back from the government. And uh, the frustration that, that that caused is very much what those who have been on the receiving end of Zacchaeus have felt. This uh, man of prominence, this short man who has accomplished status and wealth by taking from those who could not defend themselves. He's a crooked, greedy little man who has become wealthy on the shoulders of those that he's robbed. But he's lost also in that he's been rejected by every uh, religious person in Jericho. Uh, Zacchaeus would have no friends in the synagogues of Jericho. Uh, Because as a tax collector, he has sided with Rome. Uh, If you are a Jewish person, you desire the casting off of those who are are oppressing you and uh, have taken uh, control of your country, your nation. And Zacchaeus has already cast his lot. He said, I am on the side of Rome. I will make my money and my uh, position based on this new job supporting the Roman government. Uh, So... Tax collectors were just categorized as evil in that sense and rejected by their Jewish neighbors. So, so many different ways Zacchaeus is lost. I think he was used to being lost. He was used to, he would have to have been hardened to pursuing wealth in this way and just deciding, I'm going to be this kind of person. I'm going to be pursuing this wealth in a sinful way, and he's just completely lost. And I hope this evening you see that it's because of all these things that he's precisely the kind of person that Jesus sets his sights on. It's because he is, in the eyes of his country, in the eyes of God, as someone who's offended against God, exactly the kind of person that Jesus will pursue. If you are lost, if you are stuck tonight, as I have been, as I in some ways still am, I am praying that you will see the kind of God that runs toward those who are so lost in themselves they have no hope of restoration and forgiveness. The text tells us in verse 3, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Uh, Luke doesn't explain to us why he was seeking Jesus. It seems likely, many commentators say, a kind of curiosity. There was a report going that there was a rabbi going through uh, the town, and he was coming toward Jericho. And the story before, uh, the poor uh, beggar who is blind hears Jesus coming toward Jericho, and he starts to call out, you remember. Uh, And uh, Zacchaeus hears this report as well, and he makes a plan. Zacchaeus, ever the opportunist, uh, always, in some sense, in control, makes a plan because he can't see through the crowd. And so he looks for a tree that will be tall enough so he can get over the crowd and see this teacher who was on 
his way. There were many different kinds of trees in Jericho, palm trees, balsam trees, different kinds of trees. The sycamore tree is the tall tree. So imagine this little man, I don't know how tall he was actually, running to a tree, arch tax collector, the chief of tax collectors, running to a tree, climbing up to the top of it and waiting to see if Jesus would pass by. And at this point in the story, through verse Four, the end of verse 4. In some sense, you're reading this and you're thinking, Zacchaeus is in control. Zacchaeus is the actor in the story. Zacchaeus has made a plan. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He's pursued this plan. He's effectively got up. Uh, sycamore trees uh, could grow as tall as 100 feet. He's way up in the top of this tree. He seems to be in control of the situation. And suddenly we see that the hero of the story is not at all Zacchaeus, but the one who had set a date and will pursue Zacchaeus. So I want us to see third, after seeing Zacchaeus little lost, that Zacchaeus is also the one who is loved. Verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for I must stay at your house. I mean, imagine if you are this man who's been rejected by his society, who has made this plan to get up in this tree, who's hoping maybe he'll catch a glimpse of Jesus to have the arresting gaze of this master and rabbi looking directly at him and saying, today is the day for you to come down from the tree and come and meet with me. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. How did Christ know? How did he know where in the tree to look? How did he know to stop there and to look up at him? Why is this so intentional? The text says it is necessary, literally. Zacchaeus, it is necessary that I come to your house. How did he know? Christ is God in the flesh. He's the one who's appointed every person in the world who will know him, who's set his love in advance on those he will effectually call. When God chooses someone and pursues them and sets his love, electing love on them, there is nothing that person can do to escape the pursuing love of God. Our catechism says about effectual calling, effectual calling is an act of God's free grace, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds to the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, he persuades and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. What happened to Zacchaeus that day? The little man who was so completely lost. Christ happened to him. Christ set an appointment to see and to pursue Zacchaeus. And in one sentence, in one event, the one whose life was set on a trajectory toward death and lostness permanently is suddenly changed. Everything changes for Zacchaeus. We're not told in the text what the conversation was like. 
when Jesus takes a visit to Zacchaeus' home. But it's so effectual. Hurry, come down. I must come to your house. Verse 6, so he hurried. He came down and he received him joyfully. This is the effect of God's electing love that pursues those who don't deserve to be pursued. It is necessary that I come. If we really grasp the gospel this evening that tells us that we are not better than Zacchaeus, that we are not spiritually able in ourselves to accomplish this new birth that we need, This is the intended effect of this story, that those who are lost would be found, that those who are running from God would be pursued even this night, that those who think, I am so lost, you have no idea what I've done. I'm so hard in my sin, no one could change me. The effect of this story is to to say, there is nobody like that who could not be changed by the electing love of God Zacchaeus had been used to in his life everybody moving away from him. Besides the people that maybe he employed, everyone around him moved away. And that day, as Jesus passed by the sycamore tree, Jesus moved toward Zacchaeus. Jesus sat with Zacchaeus, a known sinner, and ate with him. We know this is troubling because of what happens next. We're not told who the they are, but it's very likely the crowd, verse 7. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And this really is a challenging word to our hearts. Is this how we divide the world? Do we often look at the world as those who are able to be saved, people who are kind of potential Christians, and then those who could never be rescued and transformed? God doesn't see people that way. God pursues those who seemingly in human terms are completely lost and overwhelms them, overcomes them with his electing, transforming love. Paul, who was a known enemy of God and his people, you remember the report when he's transformed and he comes to the church, his people say, do you know what this man was like? Paul is the one chosen to be the first witness to testify to the resurrection, to write all of these epistles that we have in the New Testament. It's a faithful and trustworthy saying, Paul says to us in the church. 1 Timothy 1, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. And that day, as the Savior looked up into the sycamore tree, this chief sinner, this chief tax collector who had made his wealth from defrauding others is loved in a way that is so astounding that he is completely transformed. We're not told what the conversation was like that Jesus had with Zacchaeus, but verse 8 shows us the massive transformation. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. How did this happen? 
How does someone whose whole life is, the whole course of his life is set on uh, obtaining, on taking from others, on absorbing wealth for himself in sinful ways, how does his heart say this? How does he stand and say this? The only way this hardened enemy of God is rescued is if there's a provision for this person. If the one who has faced guilt and shame and condemnation from those who are around him, but from God himself, who opposes those who are proud, who is against sin, who will not clear the wicked, the only way that Zacchaeus could be transformed is if he knew there was a provision made even for such a desperate sinner as himself. And this is the last personal encounter that Jesus will have before he goes on the road into Jerusalem. And all the prophecies that he had made to his disciples come true when the Son of Man is handed over into the hands of sinful men, beaten, mocked, flogged, crucified. The only way that transformation comes for Zacchaeus is if someone who is perfect and righteous and holy, will lay his life down in his place. If the one who is lost will have someone set his life down in substitution, the perfect son of God who gives his life for Zacchaeus. See, this evening we need to see a radical, gracious transformation that comes about. And the only way that you have any hope in this world the only way that you will be able to face God on the last day, the only way that the hardened aspects of our hearts and the hardened people who are desperately lost in the world have any possibility of change is if they see that this is all of grace. This is truly a gift of God, undeserved and could not be purchased. See, Zacchaeus, who in his life was consistently an enemy of God, always acquiring and always taking, is suddenly changed by a gift that he could have never purchased as Christ welcomes him into the kingdom by grace. So you have to see this evening that you are the one just like Zacchaeus, who deserved to be shunned and set apart and never welcomed into the kingdom. That you should have been uh, turned away and judged for what you deserve, and instead, the perfect Son of God, as it says in verse 10, came to seek and to save the lost. We have to see ourselves as the undeserving recipients of God's grace to say, I was the one who was lost. And one day God named me and he saw me and he pursued me. And that effective call actually has the power to transform us and to change us. May we rest in that kind of love. May we know the transforming radical love of God this evening, the kind of love that found Zacchaeus and called him and brought him home and gave him a place at the table in the eternal kingdom of God. And may we rest in that kind of amazing grace. Let's pray.
Father, there are many uh, reasons uh, for obstacles to um, harden ourselves or to oppose the radical grace of your Son. Lord, we pray um, for those that we think are beyond the pale, who seem so lost. Lord, we pray for our own uh, grumbling hearts that are uh, surprised when someone who doesn't seem to deserve to be loved is loved by you, Lord. And Lord, would you please set us on a course of gospel transformation that seeks others, Lord, that, that's on fire because of the electing, pursuing, undeserved favor of Jesus for us. Lord God, would you please give us an eye for those who are lost the same way that Christ you pursued and found Zacchaeus that day. Would you give us a heart, Lord, for those who do not know you? May we testify, Lord, that one day you found us as bankrupt opponents of your grace, and you loved us, Lord. And may we, with hearts of gratitude, Lord, sing in thankfulness to that grace and testify to it. Lord, would you please do your work by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to God's word by singing, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness. blesses us this evening. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We'll stay standing as we sing, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Mm -hmm.